Likutei Sichais, Chelik Yudches, the fourth Sicha for Parsha Shlach. This Sicha is an explanation on the remarks and insights of the Rebbe's Holy Father on a passage in the Zohar, in the Holy Zohar that is, on a verse in our Parsha. So let me just explain and give a short introduction to better understand what this is about. So first of all, in the Zohar, it follows the order of the parshios of the week. And typically would have a verse, and on the verse there would be comments, insights, sometimes matter, um, um, sometimes a discussion which on the surface may not even seem to have a direct connection to that particular verse, but obviously they do, otherwise it wouldn't be addressing that verse. But in any case, we have a special privilege that over the many, many, many years, if I'm not mistaken, beginning in 1965, in 1964, that is, the Rebbe began to explain, give insight on his father's work on the Zohar. Let me explain. When his father, the holy Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Schneerson, was exiled by the communists, he didn't have much books with him, much holy books. And one of the only books he had with him was a Zohar. And on the margins of the pages, he wrote his comments from memory and remarks and insights. That was later smuggled out of Russia by the Rebbe's saintly mother, Rebbe Tzinchana, and, and due to her selflessness, we merited that this was able to later be put into print. And over many, many years, the Rebbe gave us insight and in-depth depth analysis of his father's teachings. So this sicha is one of those sichot of the Rebbe. Now, just to get a, a better perspective of what we're talking about here, this week's parasha speaks about the sin of the Miraglim, of the spies. They were sent to Israel to scout the land. They came back and gave a very terrible report. And of course, that angered Hashem because all the Jews began crying and bemoaning the fact that they have to leave the desert and go into the Holy Land of Israel. And Moshe did his best to beseech Hashem to plead for mercy for his people. And this is one of the verses that, the, that we, in, in Moshe's tefillah, Moshe's prayer to Hashem, which we're going to, is going to be the focus of this sicha. So I think I just want to go over quickly. We know that there are the attributes. We know that there are the intellectual attributes, and then there are the emotional attributes, which also are the, literally the emotions of a person, the way we function. The emotions are in the heart. The general attributes, although there are four, uh, uh, some total of ten, that's three intellectual and seven emotional, but the main emotional ones are chesed, gevura, tiferes. Chesed literally is kindness. Gevura perhaps is severity slash restraint. And tiferes typically is translated as beauty. It's a combination, uh, a healthy balance, so to speak, of chesed and gevura together. Also, another thing which is worthwhile going over, we know that Hashem has various names, typically, it's either Yud K Vav K, which represents the ultimate level of mercy, as we see in the 13 attributes of mercy. It begins with the name Hashem, Hashem. Then we have, for example, the name Elohim, which represents the uh, attribute of judgment, of severity, perhaps. 
And then there is for the common one which we typically use, I'm not going to pronounce it, but Adnai, Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud, which means that, as the sages explain, this means that Hashem is, quote, Adoin, a Lord, a master of all his creation. So let's go into the, into the Sikha. When Moshe was pleading with Hashem to forgive the, the, the Bnei Yisrael, the children of Israel, for the terrible sin of them not having trusted him because of the report of the Miraglim, of the spies. So in chapter 14, verse 17, he says, V'ato yigdal no koyach Hashem, Adnai. And now may the name, the power, the forbearance, the strength of the name Adnai, the name Lord, become great, become strengthened. On this, the Zohar comments, and he says as follows, Rabbi Achan Rabbi Yossi said, Zakoi ini Yisrael me'amin akum umazoles the alma. That the Jewish people are meretitions from all the other nations, meretitions from all the other nations of the world, because Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the Almighty, blessed He, Israibehu, He desired or chose them. Number one, number two, Viskanibehu. It's His moniker, like His nickname, so to speak. And number three, Viispirebehu, He prides Himself in them. Why? Said the Zohar continues because the world was not created, it was only created just for the sake of the Jewish people. And they are, they, the Jewish people, are the existence of the world. They ensure the existence of the world, and because of them exist all other nations. Now, of course, we can ask the following question Why do we, does the Zohar pick these three expressions of praise? these three particular praises about the Jewish people, we know that there's a praise that's even greater than this, and that is, as we know, it says that we're called children to Hashem. That's beyond just being like a moniker or being something that he's proud of. It's just, we're like his children. We're like part of him, so to speak. On this, the Rebbe's Holy Father, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, answers in his, in his remarks on the Zohar, and he says, this is because as the Zohar continues there later, which we're not quoting, but it, in the discussion there later, it continues, and it stresses the fact that the Jewish people are, quote, Lev Shilkol Ha'olam. They're like the heart of the whole world, the heartbeat of the world. And therefore, says Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, therefore he lists only these three praises of the Jewish people, because these correspond to the emotional attributes. That is, Chesed, which is the first one, kindness, literally, which over here gets expressed in the idea that Hashem, quote, chose them, Hashem desired them. Then the second one, gvura, which is, uh, this is uh, synonymous, so uh, he explains, with the idea of a moniker, of a nickname, because a nickname covers up, as we'll see later in the sicha, in the discussion, it covers up on things, that's the name of Elohim, the godliness, as it covers up, godliness and you only see the nature and then the third one is Tiferes beauty which over here as it says Hashem beautifies himself or prides himself with the Jewish people and now we can understand why he doesn't use an even greater praise of the Jewish people that they are children for Hashem because that is something which is beyond the world in other words what he's explaining is that over here the Zohar is focused on how the Jews are in the world involved so to speak in the world somehow in some way compar in comparison with the world, and still, and yet, 
Hashem says, no, they are greater, and they have all these three great praises, as the Zohar spells out. And therefore, he didn't use that one, because that's beyond. That describes a level that the, the level of the Jews as they are beyond any connection to the world. However, the question is, we still need to understand, how do these three things connect to this verse? Because the Zohar's comment, the Zohar's discussion comes on the heels of this verse, that Hashem's name, the name of Hashem, the name of Adnai, should be strengthened, should be become great. What is the connection between the two? That's number one. Number two, from the Zohar, it seems that there is some parallel, there is some comparison between B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, and the rest of the world, and all nations of the world. But the conclusion is that even so, we have these great praises, these great advantages over them. But the question is, how can he even say so? How can one even imagine such a thing? There is no comparison between the Jewish people and the rest of the world. There is no parallel whatsoever. So what exactly is the Zohar focused on? So in order to understand this, let's take a closer look on this prayer. In other words, let's analyze what Moshe was saying here. Moshe was trying to evoke the attribute of compassion, of rachamim, of mercy, that is, and that it should overpower the attribute of judgment that obviously was in full force due to the fact that the Jews sinned so terribly. But if that's the case, he should have evoked which name? He should have said, Yigdal no koyach, Havaya, Yudke Vavke, because that is the that's the name or the attribute of mercy. Why then does he use the name Adnai, which seems to be a lower um, status, so to speak, a lower expression of God's emanation in the world, and that only represents how God is, quote, the Lord, the ruler of the entire creation. That's number one. Number two, why does he say this prayer, this particular prayer, prayer of Hashem, only in conjunction, only in connection with this particular sin? There were other grave sins that the Jews did, and over there he didn't evoke this. He had other means of prayer. For example, the sin of the golden calf. He didn't use this expression. So to understand this, says the Rebbe, we'll take a closer look and get a better appreciation as to what exactly was the mistake of these spies. It's obvious, understandably, that the spies, who were very righteous people, very saintly people, and certainly by virtue of the fact that they were handpicked by Moshe, and therefore by Hashem himself, they understood godliness, they understood the role of godliness in the world, so they knew and they, it was clear to them that Hashem could perform miracles. It wasn't like, God forbid, they doubted in any way that Hashem has the power to do whatever He wants. So what then was their mistake? Their mistake was that they made a mistake in, the na- in this particular name of Hashem. That means in the name of Hashem, in the emanation of Hashem, of Yudke Vavke, they were clear that Hashem could perform miracles, as He did by the splitting of the sea and so on. However, when it came to this name, Adnai, which represents the idea that Hashem is, quote, where Hashem is, quote, a master, a, a ruler, a lord, on all his creations. This is where they erred. This is where they made a mistake. They felt that when the Jews are, quote, in the desert, when the Jews remain in a place which is 
beyond, they're separate from the normal order of things, from the normal order of nature, then they are connected to the aspect of miracles and to the name of Hashem, which is represented in Yudke Vavke, which, which is the name of miracles. However, they felt that should the Jews come to a, quote, settled, civilized land, as the Torah refers to Eretz Yisrael, and there, not by their own, uh, by, so to speak, by their own making, but by the dictate of the Torah, there they're going to be involved in the world. As the Torah says, you come to Israel, you're going to plow the land, and you're going to sow the seeds, and you're going to you know, reap the harvest, and so on and so forth. They're going to be ruled, so to speak. They're going to be involved and totally immersed in the natural order of things. There is where they felt that now the Jews are going to be subject to this lower level of godliness, and there there is no, quote, miraculous type of conduct. And that's where the mistake was. And in that sense, what they were doing is they were, quote, weakening the name of Adnai, weakening this aspect of godliness, thinking that when Jews are subject to, to, to being involved in the world, then they, and meaning that they are now connected more, not to this higher, loftier uh, emanation of godliness, but rather to a lower one, namely Adnai, that's where perhaps they're not going to be experiencing miracles, and that's where perhaps they're going to be prone to the normal order of nature and so on. But the truth is that their mistake was, and we know this mistake to be a mistake, that even in nature, even in the world as the world is, Hashem is the ruler of everything, and Hashem controls everything absolutely and totally. In other words, even in nature, not only Hashem could, but Hashem does do miracles. And since we are, quote, chelek havaya amri, we are literally a part of Hashem, is His nation, as it says later in the book of Tvarim. Therefore, even when we are in nature, yet we're still lifted up, we lift ourselves up above nature. And this was the reason why Moshe prayed. Since they, so to speak, weakened, since they compromised the idea, the understanding, the appreciation of the name of Hashem of Adnai, therefore Moshe prayed, Yigdal no koyach Adnai, that this name should be strengthened, this name should be extolled, it should be brought back to its status, in order to strengthen it, that it should be a realization and a clarity that even when we're in the world, where the name Adnai applies more than the name Yudke Vavke, even there, still, Hashem is, quote, the master, the ruler of all his creations. And even there, um, Hashem performs miracles, even, in other words, there's a supernatural conduct, even within conduct. You see, their mistake was not only, not only in how the world conducts itself, but they also made a mistake thinking that the Jewish people, when the, when the Jewish people are subject to nature, the Jewish people, so to speak, take a step down. That we, B'nai Yisrael, become somewhat less, and that's what they were concerned about. We become less by being involved in nature. We become, so to speak, not any longer supernatural as we are in our origin or in our, in our true status. In other words, their mistake was, in plain simple words, 
they understood, or they made a mistake of understanding, that a Jew, when he is above nature, in other words, when he's connected to supernatural things, for example, when a Jew is studying Torah, when a Jew is praying, when a Jew is involved in supernatural things, godly things, oh, that's when he is, so to speak, connected to the Yudke Vavke, he's, so to speak, connected to Hashem in a supernatural manner. But when the Jew is now involved in worldly things, when the Jew now has, is he's occupied with worldly endeavors, they felt like the Jew now becomes descendant. He goes lower. And now he is not able to, so to speak, expe- experience that supernaturality. And that's what the Zohar says. That's what the Zohar says. When you elevate, when you strengthen, when you stall the name Adnai, which is connected to the nature, that's when it comes out, quote, Zakoyin inin Yisrael that they, the Jewish people, are meritorious. That means what the Zohar is saying is, and now we understand the connection to this verse, that even when Jews are involved in the world, even though on the surface it may seem like they're like everybody else, and it seems like they're, they're just equal to the rest of the world, Right? They do exactly the same thing, if it, whether it's being involved in commerce, whether it's involved in, 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 um, in agriculture, whatever it may be. They seem to be different. The Zohar says no. Zakoyen in Yisrael. Zakoyen also means pure. They are different. They are meritorious. They are pure. They're totally different, even if, even when, that is, that they're involved in the world. And then it continues to give, to spell out these three great attributes, great aspects of the Jewish people. Number one, quote, that Hashem chooses them. What does that mean? It's true that there's nothing in the world that Hashem created for naught. That means every single thing in the world essentially Hashem chose. It's here for a reason, it's here for a purpose. And yet, the the Zohar is pointing out that notwithstanding the fact that everything in this world is a choice of Hashem and He desires it, but still the Jews stand afraid above, or totally beyond that is. That they are the absolute chosen thing. That Hashem chose them. What is the reasoning in this? If you say that the whole world is chosen by Hashem. Every single detail. And how do we say that the Jews. How does the Zohar say the Jews are the chosen ones. Above everything else. Because if you think about it. What is the purpose? What was the objective of the world? The world was created for the Jewish people. In other words we are the purpose. We are the objective of the world. So therefore, the world in itself doesn't have a purpose. In other words, the world in itself is not chosen. It's just after the fact that Hashem chooses us and then creates a world. Now everything in the world has a purpose and has, so to speak, a, a, an aspect of being chosen. But in and itself, it's not. So that's the first great attribute of, of the Jewish people. The second one is where he says that Hashem uses us, so to speak, as a moniker. We're like his nickname. What does this mean? Think about it. What is a nickname? What is a moniker? When you hear a nickname, number one, it's not necessarily a direct translation of the actual name. And number two, it's not even an abbreviation of the actual name necessarily. In other words, when you look at the nickname itself, you don't see any aspect, any particulars of the the, the real name that it's representing. However, yet on the other hand, when you say the nickname, anybody who understands knows what name you're talking about. Think of a common English name. William. Bill. When someone says Bill, you know his name is William. 
Now, there's no connection between Bill and William. I don't know how it evolved to be that way. But the fact is that when someone calls someone Bill, you know that his name is William. His legal name is that. So when a Jew is involved in a mitzvah, directly, in, in an obvious manner, connected to Hashem, so then you have, like the verse says, quote, and all nations of the world will see that Hashem's name is written on you and they will fear you. In other words, it's clear that this Jew represents Hashem. But when the Jew is involved in the worldly things, a Jew is, 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 is engaged in the regular day-to-day, in the mundane activities, there, only one who understands, un, recognizes and realizes that this Jew represents God's name. That even though he, on the surface it doesn't look like it, and there's nothing there to hint directly to Hashem's name, yet, one who understands, gets it. And knows that this Yid, this Jew, is synonymous with being a godly person, with being connected to God. And at this, the Rebbe brings a story, a famous story that happened with the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab, that once he was discussing at length the great attributes, the great qualities of the simple people, simple Jews, that on the outwardly you don't see anything great about them. There was a Hasid present there who happened to be a great diamond merchant, a great diamond dealer. And he expressed and he says, Rebbe, I don't see it. So the Rebbe said to him, in order to really see it, you have to be a maven. You have to really understand. You've got to be an expert. And later, the Rebbe asked him if he can see his diamonds. Oh, he was excited. So he started to show the Rebbe all his wares. And one particular diamond, he was pointing out to the Rebbe how this is an amazing diamond. This is something one of a kind and something special. And the Rebbe looked at it nonchalantly and said to him, I don't see anything. I don't see anything special in this diamond. So he said to the Rebbe, in order to really appreciate it, you have to be a maven. And that's what the Rebbe said to him. And that is the same with Jewish souls, with a Jew. That sometimes you don't see it. But in order to really appreciate the greatness of a Yid, you have to be a maven. So when, when somebody is involved in the world, or it seems to be a simple Jew, it looks it's all concealed. You don't see it. And that's what the Zohar is pointing out. That's still in all. Yet... The Jewish people are a, quote, a moniker, a nickname for Hashem himself. And now the third aspect that the, the Zohar brings, which is that Hashem prides himself with us. He, quote, he spirebahu. He beautifies himself. He boasts with us. Why? Dafka, when a Yid is in the world, when a Jew is in the world, and that's where he's functioning, that's when Hashem prides himself with us. And again, in this thing, there could be somewhat of a mistake of maybe drawing a parallel between the Jew and the non-Jew, between the Jew and the rest of the world. You say the whole creation is something that Hashem is proud of. Hashem is proud of every single detail of creation. Remember, we asked the question in the beginning, how come the Zohar seems to make a parallel, ask the question, and it gives the answer. What parallel is there? What comparison is there between the Jewish people and the rest, all the nations of the world and the rest of the world, the rest of creation? Here it is. When a Jew is involved in creation, when a Jew is involved in nature, it may seem, one may mistakenly conclude that there's somewhat a comparison. Hashem cho- 